0: there is actually there there are far fewer people who have questions about what we might call imperial topics meaning things like things that are, can either be proven or disproven right like god's existence faulty bible etc and the majority of questions tend to be nowadays on personal issues so, and, and really ethical issues. I think that's a, a place that we're at culturally today. Whereas in the past, Christianity was considered old fashioned, if you will, or, or yeah, Christian ethics or the Bible were considered old fashioned. Uh, nowadays, I think that there's really a big push by people asking if the Bible is ethically good. And they're asking if Christian morality and Christian ethics are actually good. Or actually, are we immoral in the things that we believe and the ways that we act? I think that that is the big shift that has taken place. I'm not sure when it took place, but it's the place we're in right now.
1: Wow. Are you guys ready for this? So the voice that you just heard is Nick Cady. And he has some great stuff for us to hear in regards to listening to the changing voices and objections that are present in the world around us. And then answering those questions with the unchanging and truthful Word of God. Uh, Nick, Katie, and I are speaking about his new book, The God That I Won't Believe in Facing Nine Common Barriers for Embracing Christianity. Uh, as well as the research and the sermon series that led up to it. It's going to be an encouragement to us to have one ear listening to the real questions that the people of our cities and our towns are asking and encouraging us to give substantial, truthful answers from God's Word. So I've got the highest of respect for Nick and I'm always eager to learn from this guy and I'm excited to give you guys a chance to hear from him on this podcast. But if you're like me and if you like learning from Nick Katie, then you're in for a treat because you have two upcoming chances to learn from him in person. Uh, Nick is one of the main speakers at the Calvary Chapel CGN Pastors and Leaders Conference which is taking place June 26th to the 29th in Costa Mesa, California. A lot of previous guests on this show are either main session speakers or workshop leaders, including Ray Ortland, Tim Chaddick, Dominic Doan, Amy Orr Ewing, and more. And then also Nick's gonna be helping me out with a preaching workshop that I'm doing on Tuesday. And then also he's leading a workshop on Cultivate Church Planting Initiative. So what a guy. So head to conference.copperchapel.com and register for the upcoming CGN International Conference. If you are in the Southern California region or if you can travel to get there, I really want to invite you. And then also later on in the year, uh, Nick and I are both going to be in Boise, Idaho for the Expositors Collective Training Event that's taking place October 14th and 15th. Uh, registration has just recently gone live on our website, expositorscollective.com. Uh, make sure you register early for a discounted rate. So I do hope to see you at one of those events in the upcoming weeks and months. All right, so I'm going to get out of the way, and here is episode 226: My conversation with Nick Katie about answering real questions. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm honored to be talking to my friend and colleague, Nick Katie. Nick, how are you? I'm
0: doing great, Mike. Good to be with you, and thanks for having me on. Always a treat. People like your episodes. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm honored. Um, hey, so uh,
1: I do want to talk to you about, um, I guess, a, a book that you've written recently, but more, more than that, like the big picture of, um, the the topic of apologetics. So maybe like briefly, why don't you talk to us about that book that you've written, um, briefly, and then we can kind of delve into some of the, the ideas presented in it.
0: So the title of the book is the God I won't believe in facing nine common barriers to embracing Christianity. And so in it, I go through a series of, uh, topics. It was originally a teaching series I did at my church. And, um, you know, I delve into several topics that were the result of, and I'm sure we'll go into this, but they were a result of responses we got from people about the the questions they were struggling with. And so we sought to set out to answer some of these questions in uh, what I would say is, you know, rather than giving cliche or maybe even common or pat answers, we sought to do it in a really biblical and really helpful way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've got a copy of it right here. Those of us watching on YouTube can see me holding up the, the well-loved copy. And I first heard about it, like actually before you, I think you wrote anything about it. Uh, I was with you uh, running in Colorado, and uh, you were telling me about this series of sermons that you preached uh, a couple of years back even then. So it was kind of four or five years ago back then. Mm -hmm. Um, And you said that they were like the most downloaded from your whole website, like consistently, and that you had um, gotten what thumb drives and you, you use them to kind of give away as like evangelistic tools. And you were like encouraging me to even consider just like, just doing a full on apologetics oriented series. So
0: why? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay, so here's here's where the idea came from. Uh, a couple different streams, but they kind of flowed together. The first one is that I host a call-in radio show here in Colorado um, that's actually now broadcast all in a lot of places in the United States, um, in like 30 states or something like that. And um, through that, we get in a lot of phone calls. And it's interesting doing one of these shows, who calls in, because it's a really broad range of people. You would think that it's just like Christians asking like, what are the Nephilim and am I right about what I think the Nephilim are? (laughs) And, And turns out that you do get some of that, but you also get these people who are listening in their car and they really just have sincere questions and they don't, they're really struggling with them. And so... We started getting in some of these questions, I thought, you know, let's make sure that as a church, we're actually talking about and answering the real questions people have, because that's how we equip them. And the second stream was that I listened to a podcast. It was actually the Kerry Newhoff podcast in which he talked to a guy named Mark Clark. This is years ago, but Mark Clark is a pastor in Vancouver, British Columbia. And Mark was really advocating for this idea that pastors should do apologetic series in their churches. And, you know, my background as yours, Mike, in Calvary Chapel, is we like to go through books of the Bible yeah. and we'll do long series, you know, and we we love it. And there's a lot of good reason for it. And I, I thought, you know, I I do enjoy this apologetic space. I don't always enjoy the tone that sometimes people bring to it. So I thought, you know, what if I did it in a in a way that really speaks to the area we live in, you know, it's really contextualized for our culture where we do get a ton of pushback here in um, Boulder, Colorado, and, you know, kind of prepare my church. On the one hand, I, I wanted it to be evangelistic. I said, hey, invite your friends and family and invite people who have these questions. And maybe we even gave them a schedule ahead of time, which is not something I'm in the habit of do- I've started doing it more and more. Yeah. I'll, give, I'll give people a schedule. On these dates, here's the passage we're talking about, here's the topic, and here's the title. So I did that for this series, and I said, hey, take this, give it to somebody. If anybody you know has a question about these specific things, tell them, hey, come to my church this, on this particular Sunday. And uh, we did. It turned out great. People did exactly that. And so we had two goals. One was to answer questions that people have to help them move from doubt and unbelief to faith and trust in Jesus. The other goal was to equip them to talk to their neighbors, coworkers, family members.
1: And, wow. So would there be kind of once-off visitors, you know, hey, I am I hear that you're going to talk about um, genocide in the Old Testament. And so I'm here to find out what Pastor Nick has to say about genocide in the Old Testament.
0: Absolutely, we did. And what's really funny, I remember one Sunday in particular where there was this guy sitting off to I guess it's my right. And uh, I'm looking at this guy and he's just like shaking his head the whole time. Like I know that he came for that, that sermon. I'm pretty sure it was the genocide one. How about that? Yeah. He did not enjoy it, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm glad he was engaging. Sure. Sure.
1: And I, first off, yeah, I I hate to kind of even like say the word genocide and then laugh afterwards. Um, And then of course, if you buy, buy the book or even if you just look into it, you'd see that genocide, that's kind of a misnomer. And, uh, but anyway, you could buy your book and find out more about that, right? Yeah. I, I really, yeah, 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 I never would have thought I would have grown up to be the kind of guy that like laughs off genocide in the Bible. Sure, sure. And I still am not. I still am not. Um, so I have, I mean, like taken that advice to heart, uh, Nick, and I don't think I've told you this off air, but um, last year at the end of the year, I kind of made a preaching calendar for 2022 and uh, we're saving it until... Um, like mid-September into October, we're going to do just the same thing. We're going to take, um, yeah, take, I'm not sure exactly the number, but, you know, between like five or six, um, Mm -hmm. we're going to have either, I'm not sure exactly how how to get the questions, but either pull the congregation, maybe even like, Just, you know, we live in a city and maybe just like set up on the streets, you know, for a couple days in a row and just like ask pastor buyers um, to, to give their objections. Maybe there's a way that we can incorporate social media or Instagram polls or something, but I want to have it be more than just like, um, No offense. I don't want to just go through your table of contents and then just copy them because I live in a European city. We have different post-colonial issues that we're dealing with. We have different secularization issues. And so I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to get like actual on the ground objections and then take time going through that.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you that's part of our story with how we did it. We wanted to know what are people actually struggling with, and so here's how we went about it. We set up an online poll. It was anonymous, and it asked the question: um, Finish the, or complete this sentence. And the sentence was: I could never believe in a God who mm. fill in the blank. Mm. And then uh, beyond that, we asked another question: Do you consider yourself a Christian? That so, it was two questions completely anonymous Google form and then we published that and I put it on uh, my, my own website. I put it on to uh, put it out to the whole church and we encourage people, share this with your friends and ask them to fill this in. So we got several hundred responses and uh, we even put it out on the radio and things like that. And so that was what was perhaps most interesting about this is that I wanted to make sure that we weren't just having insular conversations, um, which I think sometimes happens in the church. I want to make sure we're actually answering people's questions. What I found is it was probably split about 50-50 as far as who responded, whether they considered themselves a Christian or not. And I think that's really important that we realize that, that there are people sitting in your pews or chairs, whatever you use, if you are a church leader, who, yeah, they're there, but there's a struggle inside of them that says, I want to believe, I'm down with this, but... I really struggle with understanding, like, how can I actually believe in a God who suppresses women and minorities or who encourages that? Um, And they're really struggling. That's the thing. And some of them, I would say they're struggling probably more than you even realize. And so giving them the opportunity to express that and then respond in a thoughtful way, I think, is a huge gift to your congregation.
1: Yeah, well, I, I I appreciate that, and I, I love the fact that it got yeah for you anyway shared in multiple in multiple um, venues, uh, guaranteeing that it's not just you picking the topics you'd you'd like to speak about, but it's yeah, I've I've considered and I've like typed into Google you know like um you know why do Christians and then it auto completes and I was thinking even that would be a good series you know it's like why do Christians eat pork. Uh, Why do Christians hate gays? Why do Christians, you know, and I thought that would be a great series. But as far as I know, that's that's what the world is searching for, not for like my my country. Or that's the English speaking world anyway, not my country or or my city. So there's probably ways to get even the specific more local analytics. But what you're suggesting and what I hope to do is to actually engage with actual people, and that might even then prompt even evangelistic opportunities um, even there on the street or wherever it takes place. But anyway, you're you actually you actually did it. I'm just planning for the future of of trying to touch the hem of your garment, Nick. No, (laughs) I'm sure
0: sure you're going to do it and you're going to do an excellent job. I can't wait to listen to it.
1: Uh, Well, thanks. Um, So you mentioned that like the the network that each of us are in uh, kind of with the Calvary Chapel heritage, like we're big on expositional preaching, going through a book. Um, Next week is the next chapter, uh, no matter what. Uh, What what would you say to someone that's listening to this and thinking like, yeah, well, that's just what I'm going to keep doing. Like, I'm glad it worked for you, but we're just going to keep on faithfully going through um, the scriptures and not leaving the scriptures for these felt needs. Um, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I think the, the big thought I have on it is, is this, that if you just teach through uh, books of the Bible, which I think is a great thing to do, you know, we always kind of say that we are teaching the whole counsel of God's word. And yet, let's imagine the average person who is in your congregation will be there, let's let's throw out a number, three, four years. Let's let's hope. I've even heard lower numbers than that. But let's say the average person is in your church, let's be generous, four years. Now I've I've known people who taught through the gospel of Luke. In three years, mm. right? Because they wanted to faithfully exposit every passage. Well, that means that that person, for most of the time they were in your church, they heard one book of the Bible exposited. And I'm sure you brought in other passages, et cetera, but the Bible is a pretty big book, and we want to give people the whole counsel of God's word. So, what we've we've tried to do with that is we've looked for ways that we think, okay, if we only have people for a certain number of years on average, then how can we make sure that those people are getting the whole counsel of God's word in, in in an effective way? So what we've tried to do is let's say let's say we are doing a long series, we'll we'll actually break it up and do something. So we'll say okay, we're going to do part of it now. Then we're going to take a break and do something else, and then we'll do something else. Uh, we, we'll finish it after that. And I think that topical series, as much as um, they have been maligned, you know, in some groups as being kind of pandery or whatever, I think that if you do them for the right reasons, they are actually a service to your people. You're, hmm. Again, like I said, our goal is to equip people and teaching the, them the whole counsel of God's word. One way to do that is through, you know, faithful exposition of entire books of the Bible, but it's also, you know, giving them every now and then, hey, here's a topical series that is going to help you well, we did a topical series, for example, on the topic of faith when we were taking a step of faith as a church. We, we've we done a few other topical series, but they're always geared towards helping people understand the whole counsel of God's word on a topic, and then we'll get back into just working our way through a text. Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then even to to go back even to that idea of, of apologetics or or answering the, the real objections or... The felt needs or the, you know, the sincere doubts even that people in our in our community in our church have, maybe we don't necessarily need to do a six week apologetics series, but maybe there's ways to incorporate um, addressing these issues within the regular expositional teaching that that maybe we're doing. I, I recently spoke to uh, Dr. Amy Or Ewing uh, on this podcast, and she kind of encouraged. Uh, She calls them like apologetic scenes uh, Mm -hmm. within the whole message that, you know, there might be kind of a five act or, you know, multiple scenes in our thing. And then one of them could just be, Hey, maybe some of you have a hard time believing this. And and here's some reasons why that makes sense. And here's how the next verse kind of sheds more light on that and then go back into it. And then last year or two years ago, I think, spoke to Gavin Ortland and he calls them apologetic asides Mm -hmm. where you just, do the same thing essentially. You kind of pause a minute and you kind of like speak to the doubter. Hey, by the way, maybe this and this and this. Okay, now back to our back to our passage.
0: I think that's fabulous. Um just this past Sunday I did that. And what's nice, we do community groups here, and I'm in a community group, and so I don't lead it. I actually just kind of sit back and, and try to be a participant but one of the benefits of that is that I see kind of the the immediate feedback yeah. that people who are in the service are giving to the sermon. And so this past Sunday, I was teaching through John five and, you know, Jesus heals the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And I did a kind of apologetic aside, if you will, on the um, on the pool of Bethesda, the archeological part of it. And there were some people in the group who said that was really helpful for me really? because that's what I struggle with is wondering is the Bible actually trustworthy and accurate. And so I thought that that was really cool. So I fully agree with those people and and 100%.
1: And I'm sure they agree with you as well. <laughs> Fascinating because yeah, like the Pool of Bethesda what the 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 five colonnades or the number of colonnades I, I've, I've come across that information and oftentimes I do think, you know, what's, what's the point? Why, why waste valuable preaching time to bore people with archeological discoveries? Uh, but you're just kind of even showing me or convincing me that there's a way to over-focus on that, but there's a way to include that as a little, a little moment that solidifies and builds people's faith. Yeah. Okay, so in the book, or I could say maybe even in the series, um, was there a certain chapter or topic that you found? I'd like to hear both extremes. What was the the most satisfying and then the hardest one for you to write on and preach about?
0: Yeah, I'll start with the hardest one. The hardest one for me was the the one about genocide. Okay. I think that, you know, honestly, that one was in our polls, not the highest ranking of the, of the objections Sure. of, I would say it was almost a niche objection. Like mm. some people had it, but it was, it was not even probably in the top 10, but then uh, it was one that I had. Like I, I struggle with that idea. Like, what is that? I wanted to research it. And actually in this series, I, I, delved into two topics that I was very trepidatious about even doing. Like there was a sense of fear in my heart, even, even talking about them. And those are the genocide chapter and the chapter uh, about a God who says that some love is wrong, in which we address homosexuality, uh, but not just homosexuality, right? And so those were probably the hardest uh, to do and the hardest to give, I think what you might call satisfying answers to people. I feel like I'm satisfied with it. And I feel like someone would read that chapter and they would, they would walk away saying, okay, I get it. I get the point. And I, there's some, but I think there's still an open tension at at the end of that genocide chapter. And I think that that's okay. And I think that, you know, we're trying to answer it biblically and correctly kind of counteract some of the, the common uh, thoughts about it, even just the, the, Idea of genocide is that what this was, right. talking about the difference between temporal and eternal judgment, and then focusing the fact on like okay, well whatever God did, you know, it's a, you can put God in the docket, put God on trial, but at the end of the day, we all have to answer to Him as well, and so let's not get distracted by by that. Um, so that was by far the hardest one. And uh, so I would encourage people to check out that chapter. I also didn't find a lot of books. So there are some books that address it, but yeah. a lot of books in this vein don't go there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's Show Them No Mercy. I uh, was the, the Zondervan four points section. And um, I know that um, there's a book called The Skeletons in God's Closet. Um, I can't remember the man's name.
0: There's uh, another one called Is God a Moral Monster? Yeah. Is that Copeland? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah.
1: We don't know names here. <laughs> we, just, we just remember titles.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the, the most satisfying one I would say would be the a God who lets bad things happen to good people, that's a theodicy question. Yeah. And I think that the topic of theodicy, because it is actually covered so much in the Bible, that's a topic that we as uh, preachers tend to end up talking about a lot and by mm. nature. Mm. And so I felt that that one was quite satisfying, really easy to talk about. Um, and then I think some of the I like some of the historical ones, the faulty Bible, kind of giving people, kind of blowing their mind by comparing and showing them some of the facts. I think that's always uh, satisfying to see people come to that realization that, oh, I've heard a lot of, you know, fake news about the origin of the Bible and okay, it's actually way different than the way that some people portray it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I was expecting you to say that one because that one's, yeah, it's a, it's a, question that's answered sorry that's asked a lot and there's very satisfying answers um, out there just just beneath the surface so Mm -hmm. uh all right and then of these maybe the last question on this one but of the various you know themes messages chapters in here i've noticed that like some of them are maybe what you call like the kind of classic objections you know things like is the bible trustworthy um, those, those types of things. But then it seems that there also is kind of a division to the more, you know, modern objections to the faith. How could God, you know, be a God of judgment? Or how could God um, say that certain behavior is wrong? And that seems very contemporary. Uh, whereas, have you, I guess, maybe as an apologist, have you noticed a shifting, kind of a moving target over, over the ages and over even the time that you've been in ministry?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, in spite of my hairline, Mike, I'm not that old. So it's hard for me to, to really gauge like the, um, the shift that's taken place. I guess I can just look at books that were written in the past and the objections that they tend to focus on yeah. um, versus today. But I will say this, that in both our poll, you know, with a f- fairly small sample size, And a big poll done by Barna that had thousands and thousands of responses. I think it was, yeah, it's in 2007. I mentioned this poll in the book. Um, They came back and said the exact same thing that we found in our smaller poll, which is that if you get down to most people's objections – there is actually, there, there are far fewer people who have questions about what we might call imperial topics, meaning things like things that are, can either be proven or disproven, right? Like God's existence, yeah. faulty Bible, et cetera. And the majority of questions tend to be nowadays on personal issues. So, and, and really ethical issues. I think that's a, a place that we're at culturally today. Whereas in the past, Christianity was considered old fashioned, if you will, or, or yeah, Christian ethics or the Bible were considered old fashioned. Uh, nowadays, I think that there's really a big push by people asking if the Bible is ethically good. And they're asking if Christian morality and Christian ethics are actually good or actually are we immoral in the things that we believe and the ways that we act? I think that that is the big shift that has taken place. I'm not sure when it took place, but it's the place we're in right now. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that's definitely a huge issue. And I would say the majority responses we got were things that were personal in nature, and I've heard Tim Keller say this. You know, in the '90s, he said that most people who object to Christianity don't do so for um, empirical reasons, but they do so for personal reasons. And I've I've found that to be true in our small amount of research as well as in personal conversations.
1: Yeah, and even before Tim Keller, I believe it was Augustine that says people don't reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. They reject it because it contradicts them, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's not the trustworthiness of it; it's that it contradicts, you know, them or the way that we would like to see the world run. So, all right, so speak. So here we are. I'm in front of my computer. You're in front of yours. I'm in Ireland. You're in Colorado. I'm looking forward to in just a few, about a month and a half, seeing you in person, Nick, uh, because you are one of the the main speakers at the uh, CGN Calvary Chapel International Pastors and Leaders Conference, which is taking place on June 26th to the 29th in Costa Mesa, California. And uh, personally, I look forward to being in the same room with you. And uh, also, I can't wait to sit in the front row and listen to you preach. Uh, What are you going to talk about?
0: Yeah, so the theme for the conference this year is gospel culture. And I think it's a great topic. Um, I will be speaking on John one fourteen, where uh, it says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And I want to talk about what it means for us as people to not feel that we ever have to compromise those two things, hmm. but that we want to seek to be as individuals and our church cultures, we want them to be full of grace and full of truth. And the reason I think that that's an important Distinction to say that we we want both of those things in full measure is because I think that some people, um, you know, some church cultures kind of overemphasize one or the other, where they'll say, you know, we're really about truth, and yet um, they don't necessarily treat people well or their tone is not not gracious. Um, then you know, on the other hand, you'll have, have people who compromise truth for the sake of what they consider to be grace. And so uh, I think that this is part of who we have always sought to be as a movement, as Calvary Chapel, and it's the way forward because it's the way of Jesus.
1: Wow. And uh, if I remember the schedule right, are you like the, the opening band? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm at 9 a.m. on Monday, which... uh <laughs> This year, the conference is starting on Sunday, whereas in the past, it has always started on Monday. So I yeah. hope that that shift will still allow enough people to get in on Sunday night uh, so that they will be there on Monday morning.
1: Man, I, I promise I'll, I'll be there on time. I'll be jet lagged. So I'm sure I'll have been up since like 1.30 in the morning, just like waiting <laughs> until there's something to do. So I'll be, I'll be looking forward to that. And uh, I'll definitely have a, have a link in the show notes uh, for anyone who's interested in registering and coming along to that. Now, are, are, are people going to be like checking your Calvary Chapel credentials at the door? If somebody is not like part of the, the Calvary network, are they allowed to come to the conference, Nick?
0: Absolutely. In fact, we want them there. And, wow. you know, man, some of our speakers, like Ray Ortland, you know, he is not uh, a Calvary Chapel guy, if you will, but he's definitely just a friend. And that's, that's really the heart of CGN is like, we uh, want to. Hold on to who we are. We don't want to change that, but we want to have a space where we realize that we're part of the big, beautiful body of Christ. And we we celebrate that and we learn what we can in different uh, realms from different people. So if you're not, uh, you know, if you don't have a Calvary Chapel tattoo on the small of your back, you're still going to be allowed <laughs> in. And not only allowed in, we want you to come and hang out, uh, be part of what we're doing and engage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And so you're doing the main session on the the Monday. What are the other two workshops that you're doing too?
0: Mike, you and I are doing one on Wednesday. That's right. Um, I, I think you're doing it and I'm just kind of hanging back behind you, nodding my head is my plan. And then maybe hopefully we can we can chat after your main talk is over. And that is on the topic of gospel centered preaching.
1: Looking That's forward right. to yeah. that. Preaching, and, I guess, a culture, uh, uh, preaching in a way that allows gospel culture to sink through uh, our churches.
0: And then on Tuesday, I will be with Kellen Criswell and some others from the Cultivate Church Planting Initiative team. And we're going to be doing a presentation about the history of church planting with Calvary Chapel and what our program is moving forward to help um assess, train, and deploy, and then support new church planters and missionaries.
1: Wow. Well, you're going to be working hard. So it's going to be a retreat and a a couple days off for some, and uh, you are going to be working hard every day. Um, Final question, Nick. How are you trying to improve as a preacher right now?
0: Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to read broadly Okay. And so uh, that that's kind of part of my regimen, reading broadly. So right now I'm uh, reading some nonfiction. I'm also reading some fiction. And then I'm reading what you would consider kind of a classical Christian book, um, kind of devotional soul feeding book. And so by doing those three things, you know, the, the nonfiction book I'm reading right now is about uh, the siege of Sarajevo. Okay. Uh, the... A fictional book I'm reading is actually by Roald Dahl because I need some, you know, levity in my life. Whimsy. Yeah. And then I am, uh, reading a, the book by Dominic Doan that just came out about your soul and how it can flourish. And so, um, those three things, I think that reading broadly helps me to, uh, to have kind of, a, a well-balanced diet, And the other thing I'm doing is actually uh, spending time talking to people. I think that that is uh, one thing I want to continue doing. That that was really the heart behind the book as well is like, let me hear from people where they're at um, so that when I do preach, I'm not just, uh, I haven't just spent all my time by myself or with books. I've actually spent time with people and I know the things that they're struggling with and the things that they're uh, thinking through. Yeah. Well,
1: that's great, Nick. You're a a role model, and I can't wait to see you in person. And I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, Mike. All right. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. At the beginning, I kind of awkwardly invited you, and I gave you two chances to come hang out with Nick, Uh, one in Costa Mesa, California, the other in Boise, Idaho, but I forgot to mention one more location, the World Wide Web, uh, the internet. Uh, We have a, a private Expositors Collective Facebook community where Nick and I hang out as well. Uh, We talk about preaching, uh, we get advice, it's a place of asking and answering questions. I believe there's like 371 people uh, that are currently there and there's room for more. So if you are on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash groups slash expositors collective and then request to join the private group and I'll let you in. Okay, next week's episode is, I think, one of our best. It's a a great conversation that I had with Dr. Justin Holcomb. Uh, We speak about the grace of God meeting us in our lowest points, and specifically and uniquely, uh, what does God's word say to those who have survived abuse? Uh, So this is definitely something that you want to make sure that you're subscribed to right now so that next Tuesday, the conversation with Justin Holcomb comes automatically to your phone or your device or your YouTube channel or however you are subscribed to this content. I'm going to leave you with a teaser for next week. And I do hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation
2: of God's word. I think it's important just to stop there for a second because you just, you just said it so succinctly. Um, and when, when we were young and brash and a little bit more, um, more arrogant, uh, we, we knew we were suffering. We just denied it. Um, life Life. I am convinced that the deepest message of the Bible and the ministry of Jesus is the mercy of God to sinners and sufferers. Sin and suffering just go together. We're, we're if if we're sinning, we are creating our own suffering and the suffering for other people. If we're suffering, it's because other people have sinned against us, and we're probably responding to our suffering in sinful ways. And so, sinning and suffering go together. And God's disposition toward that is compassion. There's forgiveness for our sins and there is healing for when we've been sinned against. And so life does come because of the fall. Uh, as as Christians, of all people, we have a category for the suffering, and it's called sin. Um, this, the sin we've done and the sin done against us, and just the fall fallen world. So if anyone should be talking about and have compassion for the human condition, it'd be us. I mean, the text is filled with Reasons to have compassion. So, if that's front and foremost in your mind, when you step up to the pulpit, we step up to the lectern, realizing these people woke up, they got dressed, they came here, they're not getting paid to be here. They're coming out of just being faithful saints. This isn't their job, this is their life. And, uh, and, and the, I mean, we get to frame how people think God relates to them by our preaching. Most people come in either. Assuming, hey, God's distant and doesn't really care that much, or God's annoyed at me and He's going to get his pound of flesh out of me. Most people come with a distorted picture of God and go, No, God's not distant. He loves you. Exodus, when the the saints, when when the people were crying out, he's like, I've heard, I've heard and I've seen their suffering, and I'm I'm gonna reply. He's not a he's not a deistic faraway God. He is a, a close, near loving, compassionate God. And his disposition isn't, I can't wait for a moment to crush him. As Calvin said, it's uh, Calvin's picture of God is lavish fatherly liberality. He's waiting to gush his um, fatherly love on his children, not, not looking for an excuse to lecture and scold them. And if we can keep on repeating that to people, maybe we'll start believing that more and they'll start believing that. That's that's the good news that people need to hear on a regular basis. That's what you and I need. As soon as you were saying about human suffering, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's us. That's our life. That's our life right now. You and I could probably share stories right now where we need a good word of God's disposition toward us.